this is week two of a sermon series that I've entitled Guardrails. And I've got this cool picture of an actual guardrail up here. And you can see, and everyone knows what a guardrail is. And now that I'm doing this message series, I see them everywhere. Of course, they are everywhere. But I see them everywhere. And it's just kind of crazy um, where they're at and how we're now going to be able to apply this. And you're probably not going to look at them the same after we finish this series as well. We have a theme verse that I'd like for you to turn to. It's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If we can go back to guardrails, we'll see that there is the whole series of what it is. And I want to just give you the definition of a guardrail. It means a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. A system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Usually found in bridges, medians, or curves. And it's to keep the oncoming traffic from you, and sometimes it's to keep you from the oncoming traffic. But you'll see that there's a whole lot of reasons why we have guardrails. But we shouldn't just have guardrails in our lives on the roadways, but we can also apply them to our own lives. And when we look at this picture of the guardrail, can I just point something out to you? Guardrails are always placed in the safety zone. The guardrails are always built where it is safe to be. But I think you understand and we'll understand more as we go through this, that if we took them out, even though you would have a little bit more room to, to drive, it's not always going to be the healthiest thing for us. We're, no one's upset that we're giving up some of the safe road to drive by putting a guardrail up there. And they're actually designed to minimize damage. I was driving down the road a few weeks ago, and it was raining really, really bad, and it's on George Bush um, Turnpike, and as I saw this guy, he's like, I didn't know if he's drunk, or if he's falling asleep, or maybe he's having a medical emergency, or whatever, but I saw him going across the lane, of course, it's four lanes across at this point, and he, he's going across, and then he's riding here, and then he's riding over here, and then he's going back and forth, and I'm just backing up, and just kind of watching, it actually got so serious, I called 911, and they had troopers on the way, and, and it's raining really, really, really bad, and he went over here all the way to the right, and he hit the guardrail going like 70 miles an hour. It's crazy. He went up on it, and then he shot across the other way, and it was, he hit this puddle of water that was in the median. Thank God he didn't hit the concrete ones in the middle, but he hit it, and it's like, you saw this huge, huge splash, and it stopped him with the impact of that. I mean, it must have been really, really jarring for him to hit that. But as much as that hit hard in his car, when he bounced off the, the, the guardrails on the side, it didn't destroy his car. Guardrails are designed to minimize the damage. They're meant to help us give a wake-up call, and if we're falling asleep or if we've got something else going on, it's going to keep us from going into the really, really bad place, into something as dangerous or off-limits. But... 
as I said, this is what we see in the natural, but we can also apply those to us in our own personal walk, and that's the whole purpose of this month of messages. But can I just tell you, culture, the culture we live in, doesn't necessarily encourage us to have guardrails. They don't like hard, fixed um, barriers or boundaries that we would put in our lives or things that we're going to place in and some of the things I'm suggesting to you for us to look for. They actually, instead, they prefer painted lines. So they like it, so it's like, well, you can cross over, you can do whatever you want to, kind of just make life however you want to for you. They don't like guardrails. They like it in the gray area. They like it so, well, it doesn't really matter. You can just find what is working for you or what doesn't work for you. In fact, they like to have these great cliches that I, I will say. And it's kind of like the word nice. And when I was in high school, I had this great English teacher who um, was just, she would beat me up if I was saying something was nice. She goes, what is nice? What does that even mean? Tell me the definition of nice. It, it means nothing. You're, it's like a, a fluffy word. It's like eating salad. I mean, there's nothing to it. There's no sustenance. It doesn't mean anything. Nice is just, it is nice. So we have these sayings in our society today that I believe are painting gray lines. How about this one? Our culture says, drink responsibly. What does that mean? How is that even something I can apply to my life? Of course, it, typically you've probably seen the billboards or the bumper stickers and the ads on the TV. And it's usually from a beer manufacturing company and they're trying to do their own level of being responsible and trying to tell you this. But what does that mean to drink responsibly? Because when you start drinking... It, by the nature of alcohol intoxicating, it's making you do things you wouldn't normally do. So at what point are you supposed to be responsible? It, it, that doesn't even make any sense. It's kind of like an oxymoron. Another thing our culture will tell our, our children today in regarding to sex is just wait until you're ready. What does that mean? And I heard someone say that was probably a woman who came up with that idea or that, that saying because girls can kind of understand that. But for a guy, you tell a teenage boy, wait till you're ready, he would tell you right back, I was born ready. And the hormones are raging in a teenage boy. That's not a great advice from our culture. Culture via media will tell you, consolidate your debts or get this new credit card or why don't you... Um, cash in on the equity of your house and get a bigger loan and have you all this money and hey, that's how you can finance Christmas or you go on this vacation and they give us all this advice financially and that's not necessarily always the greatest advice. Can be. It can be exactly the solution that you would have. How about this one? They'll tell you, listen to your heart. Well, listening to your heart doesn't always get you in the right places. We will look in the future. But they'll tell you all these lines, these gray areas, these painted lines instead of hard, fast rules and say, no, I'm going to put financial stability in my life. I'm going to put some moral stability in my life. No, they say, just, just kind of do whatever you want to. But culture will be the first one who shames us and mocks us when we end up in the ditch. 
They may ridicule you. They may say, oh, you're crazy because you have this rule that you say you won't watch a PG-13 movie or anything beyond that. Or you won't go here or you won't go there. Oh, you're just ridiculous. You're old-fashioned. You give all of these other things that they'll judge you on and make fun of you about. But they'll be the first ones to make fun of you and throw you under the bus, shame you and mock you when you end up in that ditch. In fact, we see that in a lot of what's happened in the recent weeks about everyone from Hollywood to people in Congress and senators and and all the things that's been going on for years and years and years. And now it's become all out in the open. And they're, man, they're just throwing people under the bus left and right. Before they were saying, oh, just whatever, however. But now it's like, oh, you're terrible. But you know, I want to suggest to you that if if we had the ability to sit and talk one-on-one, maybe even go around the room and just talk about our past and what has led us to today, I think that we would all come up with the same understanding. And we would agree that our greatest regrets in life, and we all have them, could have been avoided if we'd had guardrails in our life. Our greatest regrets, those things that we look back and go, man, I wish I had that time machine that we talked about a few weeks ago. I wish I could go back and change this. I kind of saw some signs going up to this, leading up to this. Man, I wish I could go back and change my life in that respect. Or I wish I could go back and not make that decision or make a different decision. How many of you wish you could go back and buy Apple stock? How about Microsoft stock? I mean, that would be life-changing. But of course we can't. Our greatest regrets could have been avoided if we'd had some structure and some guidelines, some guardrails in our life, like financial guardrails. There's a great um, small group we're going to be doing hopefully um, soon, hopefully this year, um, Financial Peace University, and it's going to help teach us how to f- have financial guardrails in our life to, to put this, these boundaries in our life, not, not to hold us in, but to give us a place to say, hey, this is, this is where we need, if you, if you hit off of this, okay, whoa, this is just something for you to recognize. Moral guide, guardrails. How about relational guardrails or professional guardrails? how you're working in the workplace. Now, you may be new to church, or perhaps you're still just checking it out, and, and that's great, and we, wonder, we celebrate that. That's all wonderful, good stuff. But let me just give you a secret. Let me just clue you in for a moment that none of us at all, anywhere, have it all figured out. None of us have arrived now, have you ever seen that sign that says, hire a teenager while they still know everything? That sign cracks me up every time I see that. But that was me. That was many of us growing up that when we're young, we think we know everything. And I'm cringing now even the thought of some of the, the things that I said to people who are way smarter than me. And, and just even as soon as I said them, it's one of those things I wish I could go back and grab those words and pull them back into my mouth. And oh, I'm just cringing really thinking about those, those things um, right now. But we say stupid stuff, we think we know it all, and we have these situations, but the older I get, which happens daily, the more I realize just how much I don't know. See, coming to church isn't for those who have it all together. It is, however, a place we can all learn from each other. 
my wife has this famous saying that she says all the time, and, and it's kind of a, one of the characterizations of her. She says, we all, as women, are experiencing the same things. We're all going through the same thing. We have all things in common. What I went through yesterday, you may go through tomorrow. Or what I'm going through right now, you went through before. And we're all going to go through the same thing. So how about we all get together and we learn from each other. And, you know, the hashtag I come back to over and over again is kind of one of the cores for our churches. We're hashtag better together. That we're better when we're working together, that we're all linking up together. And that's also one of the tremendous values of small groups. Jumping into a small group and that I can lean on you, you can lean on me, and men, you know something that I don't know, and I might know something that you don't know, but as we put that all together, it all works out good. I got some pictures of some guardrails for you, of some, some crazy situations. How about this road? And for those of you watching online, I'm sorry, it's not as clear as it, it will be in the future. But look at the, the tightness of this. And the guardrails are just like right on the outside. Man, I, if I was driving that road, I'd be really, really, really happy that th- there's guardrails. Because it, it looks really far down there. But how about this other one? That uh, Oh my gosh, I mean, look at that. I mean, there's nothing there. And it looks really steep down there. And I actually took a missions trip to Mexico. And we were on a bus and we drove something like that. And there wasn't enough room and the guy's just driving zooming I had to close my eyes because I'm like Jesus if I'm about to meet you I I don't want to see that I'm about to meet you but oh my gosh I can't believe it or how about this other picture Uh, 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 you got this little cutout that you can pull over so somebody can pass I mean that's the passing zone right there I mean that's but look how far that is down there and oh my gosh how about this picture it's more, it makes me feel more safe. I have more comfortable just looking at this because it's showing me guidance and it's showing me protection and it's showing me the, the way to go. And I've got all these other signs. And isn't this kind of like our life? That there's many signs that are going up that says, hey, you need to slow down. Or, hey, this one's going to, you're, you're going to tip over if you go this too fast. And man, this is the way you need to go. You need to go this way, this way, this way. And slow down. And this is the exit number. And it gives us structure. Well, this this is what God wants us to have in our lives. We were driving on a mountain road in Tahoe years ago when my in-laws still had a house in Tahoe. And we're driving back from Truckee where we'd all, and I've got all the, the cousins in our, in our van that we rented and we're just having this grand old time and I'm up there driving and Jesse, if you can put that picture back, the first one of the one with the guardrails is a road very similar to that that I'm up there driving and Lenore's in the middle and all of a sudden she starts screaming that Jen, who was a baby, 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 I think she was like one years old, all of a sudden was choking and like couldn't breathe and she's turning blue and all of this stuff. So Lenore's screaming and hollering. All the kids are screaming and hollering. And I'm driving on this road that is not like that, the one with the guardrails, the first picture you had up there, is very much like that. 
is what I'm driving on. And Lola's like, like you got to do something. There's no place to pull over. So I'm driving like this. She pulls Jen up here, and I'm doing the finger sweep through her mouth, and I pull out a quarter that she had somehow got changed, and the quarter was blocking her airway, and I'm able to do the finger sweep as I'm driving. There's no place. It, it was very crazy. But listen, if, if I'd moved over a little bit as I'm trying to do this, and, and I hit the guardrail, I'd been really happy to hit the guardrail instead of taking all of us off that cliff. We ended up pulling, when we found a place to pull over, a rest area, a scenic area, I pulled over and I'm like hyperventilating. I got Jen out and I'm just holding her. I'm walking and I'm like crying and she's still upset about it all. It was very emotional, but I'm really happy there was guardrails there because it kept us safe. But can I suggest to you that in our, in our lives, we need to have guardrails because our hearts, our natural way of being, if I just do it like I think it needs to be, isn't a good place. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Can I tell you that this is most of us. It's certainly me. My heart is deceitful. It's going to make me want to do bad things. Who really knows how bad the thoughts are in our minds? The things that we don't share with anyone. The Bible says, who really knows how bad it is? The next verse, but I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine your secret motives. The thing about living is, We all have things that we wish we could redo. Again, talking about that time machine we wish we had that we could go back into and go back to that decision, that moment in time, say, okay, don't make that decision. Do something different. We wish we all had. Those words that come right out of our mouth and we want to grab them right back as soon as they went out, we all want to do that. But we can't. We just had New Year's just a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to the second week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. But the New Year's resolutions that most people said they're going to do, and, the, uh, and what they do every year is, and I like to describe it like this, is like white knuckling. Like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going, this is going to be the year I work out, and this is going to be the year that I do this change in my life. But the only true change that happens, happens in our heart. Can I suggest to you, this may be a little bit controversial, but may I suggest to you that I believe God is way more interested in the condition of your heart and in my heart than even your actions. I'm going to say that again. I believe that God is way more interested in the condition of your heart than even what you do. Now again, that may rub you a little bit wrong and you may like, oh, that just doesn't sound quite right. But that's why we need guardrails in our heart. And I'm going to prove it to you. In Matthew 5, verse 27, this is Jesus speaking. He says, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. Now, he's picking one of the Ten Commandments. Obviously, we just went through the Ten Commandments a few weeks ago. And obviously, that's one of them, that you should not commit adultery. So he's picking one of them, and he's giving us an an inside look at it. Now, that, that's obviously, we should not do that. That's one of the commandments of God. But he says the next verse, But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. 
So white knuckling it, I could say, okay, I know I'm not supposed to commit adultery, and I really want to, and I'm being pulled that direction, but I'm not going to physically make that action. And they thought they were okay, but Jesus comes on the scene, he goes, no, if you even look with lust, even before you get to the action, you can white knuckle it all day long and say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But if you looked on her with lust in your heart, he says, it's the same thing. See, what happens in your heart is even more important than your actions. Jesus changed our understanding of God when he said that. But you see, the way you think actually changes what your ultimate outcome is. We did this a couple of times in the last year, and it's so powerful. You're going to see it over and over again, probably. But if you sow a thought, you're going to reap an action. So all of those thoughts, see, that, commit, that act of committing adultery that Jesus used, that sin, that one of the Ten Commandments, as an example, applies to all the rest of them as well, I want to suggest to you. But just taking that one, you don't just jump out and commit adultery, but it starts here. It starts the thought in your mind that leads to an action. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. Once you do it, then it goes into now you do it more often. And then once you do it more often, then you reap a lifestyle. And once you reap a lifestyle, you reap your destiny. And this is all from the negative standpoint of you made the wrong thought and you made the wrong action. The wrong action then led to a wrong habit and the wrong habit led to a wrong lifestyle and the wrong lifestyle led to this is what you're always doing. But now look at it from the other side of if I make the right thought and then I reap the right action and the right action and it goes down, I can change my destiny, but how are we going to do that? Can I suggest to you it is by having guardrails in our minds. It's safeguarding our mind. I want to suggest to you, you, you know that we have three parts of our body. We have our physical body, our flesh that we can touch. We have our spirit where God lives. And when we accept Christ, he comes in and takes over that place, the, the place in our heart. But then there's the other place that is our soul. We know that's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, how we think. Our will, our destiny, and our emotions. But you see, the battleground is in the mind. And Joyce Myers talks about that, has a great um, message series on that, on the battleground is the mind. But the thoughts come in that try and attack us. The first part of that is you sow a thought. That thought comes in, and what you do with that, the, the guardrail that you could put in there, is going to make the difference of what happens in your actions. You have the ability, when a thought comes in, to cast it down. But once it moves from a thought and it goes into an emotion in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, once it goes from your mind to emotions, now you have to do something with that. Once it's an emotional tie to you, you have to do something. And you need help to usually get rid of that. That's not something you can deal with on your own. And then if you don't deal with it as an emotion, it will actually change your course in life, your will, which way you're going. It will ultimately change your destiny. 
Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. In the middle of that is a guardrail that you can put up that changes your mind. 2 Corinthians 10 says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive suggesting to you that one of the guardrails we can put in our mind is our thoughts. That we put a sentry up there and we take it th- that thought captive and say, okay, before it goes anywhere, before I have an action, before it goes into my emotions, before it does anything else, how does this line up to the obedience of Christ? How does this line up with what I want my destiny to look like? Is this the kind of thoughts that God would be pleased with? But by putting a guardrail up in our minds, we're going to have something we can bounce off against and go, oh, wow, no, hold on, time out. That's not where I want to go. Stepping away from what is the potential to harm you is actually stepping in the direction of the one who loves you. Let me say that again. Stepping away from that which has the potential to harm you, you hit that guardrail and you bounce off, is stepping in the right direction of the one who loves you. See, God isn't trying to keep you away from something. He's trying to draw you towards someone himself. Can we come back to our theme verse? Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools who are unwise, but make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If you'll close your eyes and bow your heads with me. We can put guardrails in our mind. We can put a guard on our thoughts, a sentry, that that taking every thought captive. Don't let it move into an emotion. Don't let it move into an action that is a contrary to the will of God. And when you have thoughts, recognize where did this come from? Hey, as I'm reading through the 21 days, as I'm going through 21 days of prayer, as I'm reading through the one-year Bible, is, is this what God would be pleased with? As I jump into a small group, and, and I become more accountable and share my, my situations with somebody. I trust them with this side of me that not many people see. Can I guard my heart? Can I recognize that God is more concerned with my heart and how I think than even how I act? Be careful how you live. Can I think before I act. I started off by saying that we need to have guardrails in our lives. But people don't necessarily celebrate us for having guardrails. This might actually even be a a new thought. Might even sound scary. Because it's so easy just to go with what we feel and what we think. But we saw that what is right to me 
isn't always what is right to God. And he's ultimately the one who's going to judge us. So this morning, before we can even get on the path, before we can even really try and put guardrails in our life to know if that's what is going to work and how it's going to protect us, the best guardrail we can put into our life is accepting Christ. So I know there's a lot of people watching us online and a lot of people on Facebook and people listen to our podcasts all over the world and, and it, it's just crazy to me to re- see the stats and I don't know where you're at or where you're at today. Your physical, geographical location doesn't matter. Today can be your day. Whatever time, whatever location you're at, your first step could be to accept Christ. You might even say, I, I accepted him a while ago, and, but I, I, if I'm truthful, I'm far from God. You might say, I, I need to come back. I, I need to work on my thoughts some more wherever you're at. If today's your day, if this is for you, I want you to say this prayer. My role in this is just to help you with the words, but it's about you having a personal relationship with God. If that's you, say this prayer with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life as I see fit. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. Help me establish guardrails. Help me to take every thought captive. And the best way I know how I'm going to live for you. Today I give you my life. Now, Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer with us. And I pray for all those of us that are taking the next step of just watching what comes into our mind. Lord, that we'll put guardrails in our mind that will take captive every thought. Lord, that we'll recognize things that we can bounce up against that's not going to destroy our lives. It may even still be in a safe place as we'll look up next week. But it's something to raise attention to what we need to do. Lord, help us in the analogy that Jesus gave that we won't just look at the physical actions that we're doing if we're living life right. But Lord, it's what's in our heart, what's in our mind. God, I give these words to you. Lord, I give this message to you. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone that's listening. Lord, let us take that next step with you, whatever that is, and become closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.